balcony, well, in the media center, do we have the video that will be ready for today as well? All right, cool. All right. Okay. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves as the Lord has allowed for us to make it to his house of worship one more time. How many of y'all are glad to be in the service one more time? Amen. Good morning to all of those who are watching us online as well as those who are in the house. If you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, we want you to share this experience with others. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline. Tag people you want to invite within the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Text the link of this worship service to your personal network. We would love to get over 3,000 subscribers by the summer on our YouTube channel. And if you're in our chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in the chat window to share this experience with others. And also, if you would, if you're watching us online, just put in the chat where you're watching us from as far as city and state. We'd love to give you a shout out as far as that is concerned. And if you want to, you're more than welcome to take a selfie and post that as well. And do me this favor, if you are a first-time guest online, if you would just put in the chat, first-time guest, and of course, we want to send you a, a first-time visitor's link where you can um, be, of course, uh, welcome um, uh, even more in detail. Uh, Minister Joshua Jordan is going to come and lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned, and let's give the Lord praise as he comes at this time. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. I'm excited to praise God this morning. Psalm 104 and 5 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the last Sunday of Black History Month in 2023. It's Wakanda Sunday. We're celebrating our heritage. When I think about well, how far God has brought me, when I think about how far God has brought my mama, my mama's mama, my mama's mama's mama, when I think about how far God has brought us as a people, I truly know that his faithfulness endures for all generations. I don't know about you, but I know that we as a people have a right and a reason to give God praise, glory, thanks, and worship on this morning. He is so worthy. So we're going to begin in our worship service singing our opening hymn, the Black National Anthem. Lift every voice and sing. Please stand and sing with our choir.
You may be seated at this moment. Thank you, God, for bringing us all the way. Hallelujah. Today's scripture reading will be Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 11. Um, and I'll begin reading from the New King James Version, and it reads as follows. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Let us bow for a quick word of prayer. Oh God, we're thankful for all that you are and for who you are in our lives today, God. God, we know that you are great. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are matchless. You are merciful, God. As we gather in this place today to worship your pure and holy name, God, I pray that we put off every distraction that seeks to cloud our mind, Lord God. God, I pray that we have an intense focus on you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place, Lord God. I pray that we're here to celebrate who you are. We're here to celebrate what you've done in our lives, God. Not just what we see now, but what you're going to do in the future, God. And what you did 2,000 years ago on Calvary, God. God, I pray that you move. That you give the preachers preaching power, Lord God. That you give the choir singing power, Lord God. That you just have your way in this place. Let us leave here never the same and change. We praise you. We worship you. And it's in your son's name we pray. We're expecting a great worship experience. Amen.
come on, let's worship our God and let's give our God the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserved for this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Let me try that one more time. This is the day that the Lord has made. And if you can't celebrate the day, this is the hour that the Lord has made. And if you can't celebrate the hour, this is the minute that the Lord has made. And if you can't celebrate the minute, this is the second that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 Good morning, St. Paul. And good morning to all of those who are worshiping and visiting with us online as well as in the house. We thank God for your presence. Wakanda Sunday. Amen. 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 Listen, before uh, I come with observations, I need to do something real quick. Uh, someone accidentally in the ladies' bathroom picked up a Bible, a black Bible, lady in pink. It is not your Bible. That's somebody else's Bible. Now, here's the problem. We don't know whose Bible it is. So who, who lost their Bible? Who lost their Bible? She out there in the back? Okay, she's out in the back. Who's that lost their Bible? Okay, you, you had not gotten your Bible back yet, have you? All right, my sister, she done lost her Bible. Who in the women's restroom picked up a Bible accidentally that is not yours? Amen. We ain't going to shame you. I promise we're not. We ain't going to shame you. If you could, get her her Bible back. Amen. 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 Within the next 30 minutes, I'm going to tell God on you. All right. All right. So, so make sure, do me a favor, turn it into one of our, uh, oh, you got the Bible? Oh, okay. Get, get, that, what, is it a pink lady on it? Yeah. Who, y'all got it? Oh, I'm about to cut a jig. All right. Yeah, it was an accident. Is that, that ain't it? Boo. All right. Listen, if, if you went into the back, now I was told there's a pink, um, black Bible, lady in pink. That's on, Deacon Tanya, how you tell me that? Yeah, black case with a lady in pink on the front. Not red, pink. All right, lady in pink. So please, either turn into our ushers or our sister in the back, um, and you can do that as um, discreetly as, as you want to. Uh, we're going to get your Bible, sis. We're going to get your Bible. Amen? Amen. We're going to get your Bible. All right. Uh, we have video ready. Go ahead and, and share that video at this time. strengthened was my feet and my ankles but God can do something little that makes a big difference somebody in this room has a shout that you've been waiting to get out and it's not because you live in a mansion it's because your lights and your water still on in your apartment it's not that you drive a Maybach it's not that you purchase a Lamborghini in the pandemic it's that your Toyota your Lexus and your Ford still allow gas and the wheels still roll you ought to thank God for little blessings that you're still in your right mind that the bullet missed your baby that the COVID didn't kill you somebody ought to thank God for you didn't come up in here to look cute 
You ought to thank God your ankles are stronger. Somebody put it in the chat online. My ankles are getting stronger. My ankles are getting stronger. God may not change everything, but he can change a little thing that makes a big difference. So y'all see me leaping. But what you don't know is, for over 40 years, I ain't never been able to leap. So now when I leap, I'm saying now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power. when I got my heart and I was in the hand of the pot is there anybody in the building that can say I'm gonna stay in the hand of the pot I know when you look at me you think I'm a little messed up and I know when you look at me you know some stuff about my past and how many know some of it might be true but no matter what you know I'm still in his hands I caught a court case but I'm still in his hands I was diagnosed with cancer but I'm still in the potter's hands and he is not finished with me yet I gotta get out of here but is there anybody that doesn't mind saying do it again cause the Bible says that God looked at the clay and said I know it's not everything that I wanted to be but he made it again and seemed fit Sunday faith. Gethsemane faith says, you know what? I know what you can do. You may not do it, but I know you can. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told King Nebuchadnezzar, oh King Nebuchadnezzar, we ain't gonna, we gonna still take a knee during the national anthem, but check this out. Our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to bow down because our worship of God is not determined by what God does. It's determined by who God is. And I know who God is. God is the joy and the strength of my life. Moves all pain, misery, and strife. Promise to keep me, never to leave me. Never ever come short of his word. I've got to fast and pray. Stay in the narrow way. God is my all in all. God is a heart fixer. God is a bridge over troubled waters. God is a mind regulator. God is sovereign. God is supreme. God is faithful. God is good. God is great. God is creator. God is sustainer. God is lawyer in trouble. God is doctor who never lost a patient. God is. God is. God is. Amen. Come on, put those hands together. St. Paul, this is what we have coming for our March Gladness Revival. Uh, three of God's wonderfully gifted preachers, uh, Dr. Reginald Sharp, Reverend Shalita Fumby, and Dr. Freddie Haynes III. And uh, 
they are in demand all across the width and breadth of this land. And of course, for them to fit us into their busy and hectic schedule is a blessing. And so we want to encourage you. We want a good crowd here. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, March 20th through the 22nd. Uh, we're going to feed you at 5. Amen. We're going to feed you at 5. Uh, and then uh, at 7 o'clock, we're going to start our worship service. So come join us, and we will even create space. If there are kids that need to do homework, we'll create space for them to do homework as well. But we want to feed you the physical food and then feed you spiritual food, and you'll be made the better because of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just share that uh, our music ministry needs you. Um, uh, children ensemble, young adult ensemble, male chorus, hymn choir, mass choir. If you're interested, call the office and Scott will get word uh, and schedule an audition for you. We did not do Kaya this past week because of some uh, challenges. However, we will be doing Kaya Charlotte this Wednesday. It's Wednesday at 6.30. The topic will be living single, living single. And join the panelists, Minister Joshua Jordan, Tamara Fields, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson, and Sister Ashley Jones-Rosier, as they will have a rich discussion on what it means to navigate the dating scene while staying true to your faith. And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad I'm married at this time. From when I hear from some of our singles, the pool has some stuff in it. I ain't going to say exactly what they said, but I'm told by some singles that the pool, the dating pool, has some stuff in it. So that's part of what they're going to be talking about with Kaya, um, navigating the dating scene and uh, just laying it out there um, in, in a faithful and a consistent manner. And that's what I love about St. Paul. We tackle real life stuff. Amen. Amen. So join, uh, our Kaya team on this Wednesday at 630, uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is, of course, I want to thank you all for your giving as far as the Liberia giving circle is concerned. Today we are doing underwear for um, children 2 to 12, for boys and girls, as well as washcloths. Uh, we have raised, um, let me see, I want to make sure I get this amount right. We have raised $6,200 for the Liberia Circle giveaway. So give yourselves a round of applause. We were asking for 5000 and we've already gone over that, and we'll probably be raising some more today. So all the funds, all the funds that are raised will be going to like Carrie to support this effort as far as the Liberia Giving Circle is concerned, as well as your, um, your, your, your efforts in bringing those goods. Now, next Saturday, next set, well, this Saturday coming up, March the 4th at 9 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, we need for as many of you all to be here who can to help with packing uh, those materials to ship to Liberia. 9 o'clock this Saturday. Um, I would suggest meeting in here and then giving directions to where you're going to go as far as the packing is concerned. Meet in the main sanctuary in here, uh, and you'll get the instructions on where to go and do the packing. Amen? So... Saturday, 9 o'clock, here in the main sanctuary 
and um, our team will let you know where to go to uh, do the packing. And we're going to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Liberia. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor. Celebrate yourselves because I am so godly proud of your graciousness and your generosity. I think that's one of the reasons that the Lord blesses St. Paul because when it comes to doing mission and when it comes to being gracious and generous to people that are outside of these four walls, you do it with a high level of excellence. And uh, I thank God for your graciousness and your generosity. Whatever we've asked for you all to raise, to give support to our sisters and brothers in need across this country and around the globe, you have far far, far exceeded it. And God honors that type of generosity. Amen? Amen. So this Saturday, 9 o'clock here, we'll be making those preparations because we'll be having other goods that will be coming in from all across the country, uh, from all across the state, uh, and we'll be doing the packing to make sure that it's shipped. If you want to give a donation, you can give it through ACS or Givelify. Just put it under missions, and in the note, just put Liberia. Uh, and if you can't spell Liberia, just put L-I-B. We know it means Liberia. And we'll make sure that um, it gets accounted as far as that's concerned. Amen? Amen. Amen. Before we move on to um, uh, solicit for prayers, let me ask, has that Bible been turned in yet? Has that Bible been turned in yet? All right. I want to ask one more time. Uh, before service started, uh, in the ladies' bathroom, someone accidentally picked up a Bible that does not belong to you. That Bible has, that Bible has, uh, is in a black case with a lady in pink on the front. Uh, please look, if you got a black Bible, look at it. And if there's a lady in pink, you know that ain't yours. And, and we want you to, to turn that in to either one of our ushers. Uh, and they'll make sure that the sister to whom it belongs will get it. We ain't here to shame you, but it is a black Bible with a lady in pink. And if you went into the ladies' bathroom and you picked up a Bible uh, that did not belong to you, please, ma'am, please, sir, turn it in uh, to one of our ushers, and we'll make sure that our sister uh, who um, doesn't have her Bible will get it. Amen. Ain't nothing to feel shame about. We all make mistakes. Amen? Amen. Let me say it again. We all make mistakes. Amen? We ain't going to shame you. We ain't going to shame you. We ain't going to do nothing like that. All right? So please turn that in. We want to make sure our sister get her word back because she probably got some good notes in there from, from some time that she don't want to lose and uh, did some good work in that Bible. So please, ma'am, please, sir, turn it into one of, please, ma'am, rather, turn it into one of our ushers. As we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, we're going to ask that you would take these prayerful considerations uh, under advisement at this time. Uh, we want to lift up uh, Deacon Woody Daniel. Uh, his nephew, Antonio Woodson, was um, uh, killed because of gun violence in D.C. Uh, last week, and the funeral arrangements are pending. We want to lift up the family of Charlie Logan, the uh, father of Zanetta Warren. Um, services were yesterday in uh, Rutherford, North Carolina, Rutherfordton, North Carolina, the family of Reverend Janet Zimmerman, stepmother of Charlotte Kirkland. Her services were yesterday at the Clement Memorial Amy Zion Church of Charlotte, the family of James Barber, the father of Lashara Barber. His services were 
were held Tuesday at the Chestnut Grove AME Zion Church in Chester, South Carolina, the family of Vera Brown Flowers, Sister Dennis Brown, um, the family of Calvin Glenn, the husband of Valerie Glenn, and the family of Francis Dalton, the mother of Deborah Dalton, continue to lift them up in prayer. Also, for persons that are hospitalized or dealing with surgery, we want to lift up Felix Bird, Julian Dean, Addie Fuller, and of course our pastor emeritus, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond, and his wife, Lady Thomasina. And there may be some other prayer concerns scrolling up and down uh, on the list we ask that you would take under advisement. I'm going to ask that Minister Joshua Jordan will come take us to the throne of grace during this time of prayer. Acknowledge who you are. You are great. You are mighty. You are worthy of praise. God, even right now, we know that we have not been perfect. We haven't dotted every I, we haven't crossed every T, we haven't followed your word in the ways in which we should. God, we're sorry. But we're so thankful that you are faithful and just to forgive us in spite of our imperfections, God. God, even right now, we can just say thank you, God, because we know that even as we pray, in spite of our hurts, in spite of our pain, in spite of our tears, you hear us and you love us. God, people are hurting. People have pain. People need you more and more each and every day, God. And I pray that even right now that you move on behalf of those members in our congregation who are dealing with loss, Lord. Comfort them. Cover them with your love. Shelter them under the, under your wings. Under your wings God. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we just want to ask that even right now, that there's someone in the sanctuary who does not know you and the pardon of their sins, Lord, that you move in their heart and that you stir something in their heart to let them know and ask, what must I do to God, we praise you. God, we love you. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you believe that God is answering that prayer, can you give God praise at this time? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, it is time to give. And let's give God praise for the wonderful opportunity as far as giving is concerned. And of course, if you need an envelope, our ushers have envelopes that are available for you. Uh, as we prepare to give, there are several ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. The first one, of course, is by mailing check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can drop off cash check or money order here at the church Call the church office between 9 and 5 on Monday through Thursday to make sure someone is here to receive your offering at 704-334-5309. And we'll put it in the safe for the next week's count. The other way you can give through ACS or Church Life through our website. And then you can also give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. If you have a physical offering here in the church at the appropriate time, I will ask those that are on the outer edges of the aisle 
look down, there ought to be a basket, and if you would, take that basket, pass it to the middle, um, and uh, place your offering in that offering, and our account team will receive it. Amen? So, however you're giving, if you're giving a physical offering or a digital offering, would you place it in your right hand? If you have already given, just hold up your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we say thank you for this wonderful opportunity to partner with you through the act of worship and giving. And as we come and we give, not grudgingly nor out of necessity, but cheerfully. Why? Because you love the cheerful giver. Take these gifts of ours, O oh God, and multiply them in a Godful way so that your word, your witness, your work will go forth through the tribe known as St. Paul. And Lord, let us do good and bring you glory through our generosity. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And in his name, we claim it done. Let every heart that truly believes say, amen. Amen. For those that have a fiscal offering, if you will look down on the uh, outer edges, pass the basket to the inner aisle and give as you pass that basket toward the inner aisle. We greatly appreciate your kindness and your generosity on this morning. It's preaching time. <clears throat> It is preaching time, and um, it is a joy for me to um, introduce to some, to some and present to the rest of us our preacher for the hour. He is not a stranger here to the St. Paul Church. Um, he's one of my good friends and one of uh, my favorite preachers, the Reverend Dr. Stephen G. Blunt, who is the pastor of the First Baptist Church, Mahan, in Suffolk. Virginia. He's been there uh, for over 20 plus years. He's a graduate of uh, Virginia Union University uh, and attended the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology and graduated from there and also is a graduate of Union Presbyterian School of Christian Education in Richmond, Virginia and went to Howard University and earned a doctor of ministry degree. In other words, y'all, he's just smart. Just a smart dude. Just a smart dude. He is a former president of the Baptist General Convention of Virginia, one of the, perhaps the youngest person elected to that office. Uh, he serves on Virginia Union's Board of Trustees and, of course, is an instructor at the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology where he teaches systematic theology. He continues to be a blessing to the state of Virginia, uh, as well as their convention, but even more importantly, he is a blessing as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. I had the opportunity to first meet him back in 2015 when he preached, when he was the morning preacher at the Hampton University's Minister's Conference, and he blessed us in a tremendous way, and uh, never will forget how profound and prolific his preaching was then, and how his preaching is now. And so, St. Paul, we are delighted to have back with us the Reverend Dr. Stephen G. Blunt. He is married to uh, Sister Brandy Blunt. They're the proud parents of Kari and Corey. And um, they're going, he's going to bless us in a tremendous way as far as the Word of God is concerned. So, those online as well as in the house, if you would, stretch your right hand toward him and repeat after me, Dr. Blunt, preach the Word. Dr. Blunt, preach the Word. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. Preach. Preach. Now, if you need a word from heaven, holler back at him. Preach. 
Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's give God praise. Now, before I take my seat, has that Bible been found yet? I'm so serious. Has that Bible been found, retrieved yet? Huh? No, it hadn't been. She hadn't gotten her Bible back yet? All right, I'm going to make this announcement. One more time, I'm going to make it even at benediction. Here's the deal. Somebody picked up a wrong Bible. It ain't yours. It's a black Bible with a lady in pink on it. Okay. Look at your Bible right now. If you have a physical Bible, if it is black and there's a lady in pink, that's not your Bible. All right. Give it to one of the ushers. Just hold it up and give it to one of the ushers. We will make sure that it gets to the proper person. Amen. A Bible that is, has a black covering with a lady in pink on it. If you would, give that back. Give it to one of our ushers, and we will make sure that the sister that is missing her Bible will get it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to come back at the end of service, right before the benediction, and I'm going to ask this question one more again. That's how we say it in Mississippi. One more again um, uh, as far as that Bible is concerned. All right? Okay, let's give it up for our male, uh, male chorus as they come and bless us with Simonic Selection. Somebody can relate to this here. Listen. Lied on. Many times I've been lied on. But I'm still here. I thank you, Lord. 
disappointments I had so many disappointments But I'm still here Ooh, yeah. Dark days I've had my share of dark days But I'm still here Yes, I am I said, a disappointments I've had so many disappointments, ooh, but I'm still here. But through it all, I made it, I made it through. One more day, y'all. He kept his loving arms around me. I had to believe in love. I made it, I made it through. God kept me Let me tell you what it was, y'all It went like this It's by the grace of God That I'm still here today He was always there No matter what came my way A very present brother In my time of need Standing right there Just to see about me Oh, I made it, y'all One more day, y'all God kept his loving arms around me Yes, he did Ooh. Oh, yeah One more day, y'all God kept me here. I just want to break it down one more time, one more time. Come on. Uh -huh. It's by the grace of God that I'm still here today. He was always there, no matter what came my way. A very present brother in my time of need, standing right here. Just to see about me Oh, I made it all One more day, y'all He kept his arms around me I had to believe in love I made it, I made it, I made it, I made it One more day, y'all God kept me here Listen, y'all, it was just like this I made, it. I made it. Yes, I made it. Yes, I made it. I'm still here. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I said I'm, I made it. Yes, I made it. By the grace of God, y'all. I'm still here. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I made it. I had to lay awake in the midnight hours sometimes. When I went blind, I didn't know what to do. I started asking God questions. I said, God, I know you can take care of everybody, but can you fix me? Can you help me, Lord? I don't want to be blind, but God put it in my heart. He put it right in here, and I just want to let y'all know I can see a whole lot better than a lot of y'all can see out there, and I made it. And I'm grateful to God, and I just want to say thank you. I'm still here, through it all, through it all, I 
another day, Jenny. I'm still here. I'm still here today to say, I'm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, I'm still here. I'm still here today. Yes, in 2023, or is it 24? But I'm here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I made it. I made it through. And I'm still pray together. God of our weary years and of our silent tears, to thou who by way of your grace and your mercy has yet brought us thus far along the way. Dear Lord, once more we are grateful and we are thankful for both the blessed joy and privilege that is ours to be able to call on your righteous name in this moment. We ask now, we pray now, Lord, that you would continue even now to tarry here with us. To take now, we pray this, your child and your servant in this preaching moment, in the midst of frailty and faculty, and allow your will, your way, and your word to come forth. We need to hear a word on this Sabbath day morning that reminds us still, God, that you are God all by yourself and that you're yet able, Lord, to do anything but fail. And so we pray now, Lord, have thine own way. Let us hear now from heaven what thus saith your spirit and we'll be ever so careful to continue to give thy name all the glory, the honor, and the praise for this is our prayer and we seal it now in the only name that matters. In the name of our risen Lord, our returning King, Christ, and Messiah, we do pray. Come on, might the people of the Lord say amen, 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 amen. and amen. Come on, let's bless the name of the Lord with our hands on today. Won't you just look at two people near you and just tell them, I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad we're still here. Can we bless God for this music ministry on this morning? We honor them. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Good morning to everyone. We 
thank God for who he is and for all that he has done and for the blessed privilege of being able to be in worship on today. To my dear friend, my dear, dear brother, one whom I love dearly and deeply, who I am grateful not only for his friendship and for the brotherhood that we share, but just for the tremendous joy and gem that he is to the kingdom. St. Paul's, won't you do me a favor and just join me in celebrating your pastor, your shepherd, the prophetic sage of this context. Come on, let's bless God for the one and only Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott. Come on, St. Paul's. Let's bless God for our pastor. Let's bless God for the entire Scott family. We honor God for Lady Pierre and for Chiris on today. And we thank God for them. We thank God for them. I love them dearly. I want to thank the Lord for Reverend Jordan on today. We thank God for you, my brother. Let's bless God for him on today. Leading us in devotion to all of the ministers, to all the part, to all those who serve in the clergy and the uh, ecclesiastical dynamic. We thank God for you, to the servant leadership, and to all of you who are part of the wonderful tribe and family that is St. Paul's. What's good? Hey, y'all. Man, it's so good to see you all again. I thank God for the joy and the privilege that it is to be able to come back and to be able to see each of you and to be able to worship with you on this our Lord's day. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Look, I'm not going to delay the moment of my assignment. Come on, look with me. Open up your Bibles. Look with me in the book of First Samuel. First Samuel, the 21st chapter. And I'm going to read verses 3 through 9, and then I'm going to ask you to turn the page to the 22nd chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning with verse 3, ending in verse 9. It's a text that I believe is not only poignant, but prophetically and eerily parallel to so much of what we're seeing happening across our communities and our nation right now. Hear the, Lord, the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 3. Now, what do you have at your disposal? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever can be found. The priest replied to David, I don't have any ordinary bread at my disposal. Only holy bread is available. And then only if your soldiers have abstained themselves from any sexual relations with women. David said to the priest, certainly women have been kept away from us just as on previous occasions when I have set out. The soldier's equipment is holy even on an ordinary journey. How much more so will they be holy today along with their equipment? And so the priest gave him holy bread. For there was no bread there other than the bread of the presence. It had been removed from before the Lord in order to replace it with hot bread on that day. It had been taken away. Now a certain man, one of Saul's servants, was there that day detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, who was in charge of Saul's shepherds. David said to Ahimelech, is there no sword or spear here at your disposal? I don't have my own sword or equipment in hand due to the urgency of the king's instructions. And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, is wrapped in a garment behind the ephod. If you wish, take it for yourself. 
Other than that, there's nothing here. And David said to the priest, there's nothing like it. Give it to me. Turn to the 22nd chapter. Look there with me beginning in verse 18. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn and strike down the priest. And so Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priest. He killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. As for Nob, the city of priests, he struck down with the sword men and women, children and infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, all with the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to David. His name was Abiathar. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord, and then David said to Abiathar, I knew it. I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would certainly tell Saul, therefore I am guilty of all the deaths in your father's house. Stay with me. Abide thou with me. Don't be afraid for whoever seeks my life is seeking your life as well. For you are now secure with me. Amen. Amen. I want to try to preach from the thought simply how to deal with oppression. How to deal with oppression. We're, we're, really, we're really almost numb to it. We're really, at this point, somewhat anesthetized to it when we see it on the news or read it in the papers. For example, when we witness... What these police officers did to this young man, Brother Tyree Nichols, some several weeks ago in Memphis, when we witnessed what the EMTs and the first responders failed to do, and when we witnessed what our government continually both neglects and negates to do regarding the passing of the George Floyd Police Reform Bill, it revealed really two distinct historical manifestations. First, it revealed the continual legacy of state-sanctioned institutional violence, wherein for so many years and so many countless instances, both recorded, documented, and undocumented, we've been subjected to seeing our people being brutalized, lynched, murdered, and curtailed at the hands of those who represent an institution of power grounded oftentimes in the words, and I quote, to serve and protect. State-sanctioned institutional violence. However, what we witnessed was not only a demonstration of such, but it was also a manifestation of institutionalized self-hatred. If it's not what some sick persons in power have historically done to us, it is therein what we do to ourselves that's even far worse than what others have done. I listened just a moment while the pastor was setting up the prayer moment and was praying for a member of this church whose nephew was gunned down apparently in the Washington DC context. Amongst our very own, we've robbed mothers and fathers of their sons and daughters. We've robbed siblings of their brothers and their sisters. We've robbed the world really of future kings and queens. 
Much like even in the multi-Marvel, multiverse universe, we've, we've robbed Wakanda of future Black Panthers because every time we senselessly kill one another, it's the equivalent of burning the harvest of the heart-shaped herb as Killmonger did in the first film. It's one, it's really one of the long-lasting characteristics of the vestiges of the institution of American slavery and the European slave trade. We were taught to hate ourselves. We were taught to detest our own likeness, taught to abhor our own heritage, to loathe our own culture, and to despise anything or anyone who reminds us of who we are or from whence we've come. You might want to do some reading while you can, because if Santos has his way, and others like him, the history that wasn't even being taught at the level that it should have been taught, will become completely abolished within the next 15 to 20 years. The Commonwealth of the state in which I reside in the year 1711, many of you know this, Slave plantation owners were trying to figure out how to get a better handle on their chattel slavery. They were doing everything that they could, lynching, maiming, dismembering, everything that they could, but, but our ancestors were still resistant. Word got out, and they sent this invitation to this brother, a man named William Lynch, who traveled in 1711 from, from the colony there to meet with English settlers on the banks of the James River. And he taught them that if you really want to control your property, the Negro, you can't, you can't punish the body. You got to learn how to take control of the mind. He said, because you're only diminishing your property value when you whip them, beat them, and dismember them. So let me give you the formula. And if you work the formula, I can guarantee you that in 10 years, not only will you have control of your plantation, but you'll also have control over them for the next 500 years. What you do is you sit them down and you teach their women to hate one another. Teach their men to despise one another. Teach their women to distrust other black men. Teach their black men to never be attracted to their own black women. Incentivize those who uphold the paradigm. Remove those who do not. In 10 years, you'll have control over your plantation, and over the next 500 years, they'll do more to themselves than we'll ever do to them. It became known as the William Lynch Letter, which is still used as a curriculum pedagogy all across this country for how to keep the oppressed under control. And if you pay attention cognitively to what's happening in our communities across our nation, the letter of William Lynch is still in great deal existential power. And so when we see what took place in the case of this young brother, Tyree Nichols, we, we witnessed, if you will, we witnessed the, the eternal presence of this oppressive pedagogy of this letter. We witnessed the unholy marriage of a state-sanctioned institutionalized violence and institutionalized self-hatred coming together in a blessed union. What, what, what Jay-Z said on that track as a throwback to what, to, what, to, what, to what happened with Tupac Bishop, the character he played in Juice. Y'all remember Juice, don't you? I know you do. I know the church knows Juice. 
Y'all remember that scene, what, what Pot did after he killed Rahim and then had the nerve to show up at Rahim's mother's house before the funeral? Brothers who murder their own brothers then go home and hug their mother's friends, their friends' mothers, and then they show up at the funeral complete with blank stares. Well, you guess what? You turn into 1 Samuel. You tune in now to 1 Samuel. You'll see the same thing taking place in this ancient text where we're able just for a few moments to connect these theological parallels of institutionalized state-sanctioned violence and self-hatred amongst our very own people to the biblical record of what King Saul and Doeg the Edomite did to the unarmed citizens of the city of Nob in their pursuit of David all throughout this narrative. Come on, y'all know the soap opera by now. David is on the run from King Saul. He's now both an enemy of the state and a fugitive of the federal governments of both the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel. His anointing, his success, his military prowess, his approval rating amongst the people, the steady ever-presence of the Lord's hand upon his life have now all ignited the boiling depths of Saul's insecurities who at the time is still at the height of his rule as the first king, the first monarch of Israel. Saul, as we know, has been both jealous and envious of David ever since David slew the champion of Gath, the giant Goliath in the valley of Elah as a young lad. His feelings toward David would only become further metastasized when it appeared that despite his being king, that everyone within both the kingdom and the palace adored David more than he. The Bible says that when David would return home from battle after having defeated Israel's enemies, that the people would adorn the streets to greet him, and more importantly, the women would line up for miles to sing a song that apparently they had all rehearsed in concert, a national anthem that they had never once uttered for the current king of the nation. Saul has slain his thousands, they'd sing, but David has slain his tens of thousands. If this weren't bad enough to have every woman within the northern and southern kingdom singing this song by heart of David in the streets, it didn't compare at all to the adoration that Saul witnessed within his own home. His son, Jonathan, would not only become David's best friend, but would love David so dearly as a brother, even willing to commit treason against his father in order to support David, to encourage him, and to even recognize David as the true king of Israel. Right across the bedroom from Jonathan, his daughter Michael. Michael would fall in love with David, and for a time would not only thwart her father's attempts to harm David, but would also help David to escape when it became clear that her father wanted to kill him. And so by the time of our text, Saul is now tired of playing politics, and he's sure not tired of playing games. He wants David dead. Every business meeting he has, old and new business, is all the same. I want David dead. And he has made it his entire administrative agenda about the demise of one man who still loved him, respected him, and cherished him, even though the king couldn't stand him. If I, if, I, if, I, if I only had a little bit more time, I'd share with someone sitting behind you on today that, that the reason that some people can't stand you, 
the reason that some people dislike you and the reason that some people resent you, it actually has nothing to do with you. But it has everything to do with how the Lord's favor is resting upon you. I'm here to tell you, they don't like you because of you. No, no. The reason that they can't stand you is because of how God keeps resting his sovereign favor upon your life. They can't understand why you're as blessed as you are. They can't understand why you have such peace in the midst of the storms of your life. They, they can't figure it out why you still come to church and why you still worship online with joy in your heart, a song in your spirit, and a shout from your soul. It drives them crazy to see you walk into a room. It drives them mad to hear you speak. It rattles their nerves to see you productive and successful, to see you being loved, to see you still alive and well with all the hell that you've been going through in your life. And they've yet to realize that it's not necessarily because of anything that you've done, but it's only because of everything. I wish I had somebody. It's only because of everything that the good Lord has done. And if they would only take the time to ask you instead of always trying to destroy you. If they'd only take the time to reach out to you and talk to you instead of always trying to oppress you. Then you'd be the first one to tell them, look here, it was nobody but the Lord. Everything I have, he gave me. Everything I've achieved, he did it for me. Everywhere I've been, he took for me. And everywhere I'm going, he's taken me. Not because of me. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. For some reason, he's kept his hands on me. For some reason, he keeps on favoring. And therefore, all I can tell you is, I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. But oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. So glad that he... Come on, look at two people near you, tell them, don't take it personal, don't take it personal. That's why when people get all up in your business, when they get all on your last nerves, when they try to derail your joy and pacify your praise, don't you take it personal. It has nothing to do with you, it's the Lord's favor. Watch the text. While on the run, watch what David does. David makes his way to a particular city called Nob. Somebody say Nob. It's, it's, it's really, uh, if you like, it's really a college town of sorts, uh, particularly for priests in training who are learning how to get ready to serve the Lord in the Lord's temple. It's really, Dr. Scott, it's a seminary town. David escapes to Nob to seek asylum with the chief priest named Ahimelech. The word says, you see it, he asked Ahimelech for rations, but the only thing available in the temple that day is holy bread, consecrated bread, what we'd call communion bread. David would accept the rations from the priests and would then take the holy bread to his soldiers for nourishment. It shows us, do you see it? 
it shows us, first of all, my beloved, that when we find ourselves dealing with oppression, that we must first of all learn, here it is, how to seek a word of nourishment. Somebody say that with me. Say, seek a word of nourishment. Note the narrative. David, very rarely, this is what I love about him, he very rarely leaves anything to chance. David is one of the most purposed and prepared individuals that we'll ever encounter in the Bible. He's meticulous. He's careful. He's methodical. He is painstakingly pedantic in every dynamic of his life, personally, professionally, politically, societally, and even spiritually. David, it seems, has always played chess while everyone else was playing checkers. The point is that out of all the places David could have initially ran to as he fled from Saul, he intentionally makes his way to this city called Nob, this, this seminary town that has priests in training. Not to seek reinforcements for his army, not to seek an advanced military strategy, not to secure political NATO affiliations to back his claim against the throne, but he specifically runs to Nob to seek the one thing apparently that he couldn't get anywhere else. David goes to Nob seeking a word of nourishment. He goes to Nob, sees the priest, receives there not any old kind of bread, but he receives the show bread, sacred bread that had been consecrated for the temple. Bread that not only signified the need of physical nourishment, but bread that also signified the need of spiritual sustenance. It was bread that not only gave the body physical strength, but it was bread that also gave the soul spiritual strength as well. And that bread, because it was consecrated in the temple, because it had been designated as communion showbread, and because that bread had to be administered by the priest alone, that bread that David receives here in the text can therein be interpreted as the word of God. I need you to see this. David doesn't escape to Nob just seeking some bread to eat. But he escapes to Nob because he's searching for a word that will not only provide him with strength for his journey, but will also provide him with nourishment for his soul. And you know what? I'm here to tell somebody on today that when the enemy is wrecking havoc in your life, you got to know not only where to run to, but you've also got to make sure that the place that you're running to must also have a word of nourishment for your soul. Lord, help. There's a reason why the Lord said in Matthew 4 and 4, and I quote, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm here. I'm here to tell you on today that when the enemy is on your trail, and when your life is under oppression, you need to know not only where to run to, but you also need to make sure that the place that you're running to not only has something for your physical nourishment, but also has a word for your spiritual sustenance as well. 
I need somebody on the side of you to help me right here. I need a David online to help me preach this point. When you're in trouble, you don't need anything flaky. When you're sick, I'm trying to find which pew you're on. When you're sick and can't get well, you don't need anything feeble and trivial. When you're going through it, because it seems as if the bottom has dropped out from beneath you, you don't need anything cute and fluffy. When the enemy has taken hold of your house and your children, you don't need anything that is shallow and superficial. I'm here to tell you, tag it and grab it won't work when the enemy is on your trail. Call it and haul it won't work for you when the enemy has infiltrated your marriage. Name it and claim it won't keep you when your body is under attack. No, when you're dealing with oppression, you need a word. You need a word that's sustaining, that's encouraging, and that's empowering. You don't need cotton candy. You don't need bubble gum. You don't need pop tarts. You don't need junk food. You need, you need something heavy. <laughs> you need something wholesome. You need something that's going to stick to your ribs. You need some grits. You need some oatmeal. You need some rice and gravy. You need some mashed potatoes. You need some macaroni and cheese. You need a word. A word that will hold you up and keep you up even in the time of oppression and that will remind you that no weapon no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You need a word that reminds you in the midst of it all that all things are possible for them who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. You need a word that reminds you that weeping may endure for the night. But if you hold on, joy will come in the morning. I wish you nudge somebody near you and just tell them you need a word. You need a word. You need a word that tells you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need a word that reminds you that with God all things are possible. You need a word that reminds you that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Tell them you need a word. David needed a word. Though he's on the run, he not only knew where to run for help, but he also knew where to run to get a word that would both nourish and sustain him. And because so, watch this. Once he gets the word, the text says that he's now licensed to be armed with a weapon. Note the narrative. David agrees to receive the showbread. I don't have time to work it. Five loaves to be exact. <laughs> Just like the five stones in the valley of Elah four of which he didn't even need four he'd give to his soldiers one he'd keep for himself and once he receives the bread he then receives a weapon ha ah, I, I, I like this story David literally goes to the church and asks the priest he says you got any heat I, I, I got somebody after me. I don't need prayer. I don't already pray. I want to know is you packing? The word says, you see it? The priest said, I thought you never asked.
goes under the ephod, the lectern, and pulls out the greatest weapon ever used in Israelite history. The sword of Goliath. Now I want you to peep this. The last time that David had seen this sword was when he was a young lad. Didn't even have his driver's license. He just defeated Goliath in the Valley of Eli in front of all the forces of both the Philistine and the Israelite armies. And after slaying Goliath, the word would say that what? He would go up to him. Somebody knows the story. Unsheathe Goliath's own sword. Chop off his head and would then turn in the head and the sword to the army. David had not seen the sword since. But now that he's dealing with oppression, now that he's on the run, somehow that sword finds its way to the church. <laughs> David goes to Nob and receives the sword, but watch this, the priest only arms him with the weapon after he's first received and been nourished with the word. It shows us secondly, that when you're dealing with oppression, that you need to make sure that you're armed with a weapon that is only accountable to the word. Look at somebody near you and say, make sure that your weapon, all of them, are accountable, because I know some of you packing now, are accountable, I know where I am, to the word. Watch the text. Even though they trust David, even though they love him, they respect him, the priest of Nob yet recognized that at the end of the day, Reverend Jordan, that David is still the lead commanding officer in the king's army. They love him, they respect him, they support him, but they also recognize that it would not be wise to arm David with one of the greatest weapons in Israelite history until he has first received and been nourished by the word. It demonstrates that even while he's dealing with oppression, that he still has, David that is, his priorities in order. Because before he even seeks out some heat, he first takes time to seek out that which is holy. Because if all you have is heat, and not holiness, then all you're doing is making matters worse because now instead of being accountable, your primary concern is now only being armed. Preach blunt. Now that you have a badge and a gun, you now feel empowered to act on all of your prejudices because instead of being accountable your primary concern was only being armed now that you have a position and a title oh you bad now and you now feel as if you're entitled to run own and control the very institution that you've been called to serve instead of seeking how to better serve the institution that completely belongs to the Lord because instead of being accountable, your primary concern was only being armed. You ever seen, you ever seen anybody get a little bit of influence? 
You ever seen anybody get a little taste of power? Be given a certain designation, title or position, chairperson of the Kool-Aid committee? And they just go off like they done lost their mind? <laughs> I'm here to tell you that whether in government, whether in schools, whether in politics, whether in the workforce, whether in organizations, and even in our churches, that such persons can oftentimes be the most dangerous persons within the institution. Because they don't ever want to be in accountability. They only want to weaponize their titles, their designations, or their positions in a way where they can be armed to do their will instead of God's will. They don't want the word. They only want the weapon. They don't come to Bible study. They come to church conference, though. Let me leave that alone. More concerned with winning than you are understanding the purpose behind the battle. More concerned with being victorious than you are understanding the reason behind the challenge. That's one of the core problems, really, in politics right now, is it not? Whether it's failing to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, whether it's refusing to even consider passing the George Floyd Police Reform Act, whether it's negating and robbing women in this country of the agency of their own bodies by repealing abortion rights in this country, the principle really remains the same. Nobody is really concerned about being accountable. Everyone just wants to be armed, not with truth, but with power. Not with integrity, but with influence. Not with concern, but with control. And not with democracy, but with dominion. And we're all too often willing to weaponize anything. Religion, education, the economy, health care, mental health, gun rights, climate change, you name it. We're willing to weaponize anything if it means that at the end of the day, if we win, if we gain access to more power, and if it means that the entire world goes to hell in a handbasket as long as we still have our way. Oh, I know I'm preaching a little bit. I know I'm telling the truth because this same thing that has not only happened on the national and the local level, we've also seen it happen in the Lord's church. People who run to the church and who use the church as a means to gain access to power and influence that they can't get nowhere else. And as long as they're in charge, nothing else matters. As long as they get their way, nothing else is important. And they'll weaponize, even in the church, they'll weaponize ministry in order to achieve it. They'll weaponize people and families and relationships in order to fulfill it. They'll weaponize theology and Christology in order to legitimate it. They'll weaponize constitutions and bylaws in order to achieve it because they're not interested in the bread. They're not interested in the word. They only want to arm themselves with a weapon. And whenever you have people who are more concerned with being armed with a weapon than they are being nourished in a word, then you'll always have discrimination over discipleship. You'll always have foolishness over faithfulness. 
You'll always have oppression over liberation and you'll always have people seeking power instead of purpose because when you're only concerned with being armed with a weapon instead of being nourished in the word, it's easy to forget what the Lord told Peter when he told him, put up thy sword. For they that live by the sword alone shall die by the sword. And so when you're dealing with oppression, you got to what? You got to get a word of nourishment. You got to arm yourself with a weapon that's accountable to the word. But finally, here it is. You got to learn how to forewarn others by way of the witness of presence. Somebody say that with me. Forewarn others by way of the witness of presence. Hallelujah. Yeah, don't, 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 don't have me walk into nothing that you know what's around the corner. Don't do that. Don't play me like that. If, if you know I'm scared of dogs, and you come running around the corner, and you know there's a pit bull on the other side of the corner, and I'm just minding my own business, don't say, hey, Steve, what's up? No, tell me, hey, Negro, there is a dog. Right down that block. We all hungry. We all looking for something to eat. We all trying to figure out how we going to get to know to get some bread. And while the rest of us got belly aches and headaches and losing weight, you fine. Stomach full, you got canned meat, Spam, Vienna sausages, potted meat, pork and beans. And you still away from us and say, I'm going to pray, but you over here eating. You come back to us, anybody ready to go? Watch the text, I love this. The word says Saul does what? He is the personification of, of state-sanctioned violence against those perceived to be lesser. He gives the order. That's what he does. He goes to know. Doeg tells him where David is. Saul goes to know with his imperial company. He engages the priests. These are preachers in training. He engages the priest, asks them, why did y'all help David? If you read the story carefully, I love the conversation between Saul and Ahimelech. When he asked him, he really asked him, why did you pray for him? And Ahimelech tells him, I prayed for him just like I pray for you. And I will pray for anybody that the Lord tells me to. Saul says, that's the last prayer you'll ever do. He orders his soldiers to do what? To kill Ahimelech and all the priests where they stand, but the soldiers refuse. These are priests for crying out loud. Unarmed citizens, really. The soldiers refuse to do so. Saul then turns to Doeg the Edomite, who isn't a soldier, but who is the chairperson of the shepherd's ministry. Read the text. He's in charge of the king's shepherds. 
and Doeg without hesitation. Now, just a little backdrop because he is the personification of institutionalized self-hatred. Remember what William Lynch taught the slave owners in the Virginia colonies back in 1711. You teach black women to hate other black women. You teach black women to distrust, distrust other black men. You teach black men to despise other black men. And you teach black men to never be attracted to their own black women. He therein becomes the institutionalized personage of self-hatred because Doeg when you read it he is a what he is an Edomite he comes from the family genealogy of the Edoms the Edomite those who are the children of Esau these are they who are still upset because there was a patriarchal covenant that was supposed to read Abraham Isaac and Esau but because of something that went down behind some grits and some porridge, the copyright got messed up. And it now reads Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Esau's folk couldn't stand Jacob's folk. And they held on to this self-hatred hate. And, and when we read now what Doeg becomes, David, as we know, at this time is the what? He is the essential descendant. Of the line of Jacob and so Doeg sees this as an opportunity to act out on some stuff that he's been hearing at family cookouts for all these years Saul turns to Doeg and says Doeg you do it and the word says that Doeg with his sword would slay all of the priests on that day somebody say but he doesn't stop there he goes beyond the order and goes all throughout this seminary town into all the campuses, killing all of the men, the women, the children, the cats, the dogs, the sheep, the goats, anything with breath. Doeg slays that day with the sword. Only one person would escape. Ahimelech's son named Abiathar would escape the carnage of Nob, would catch up with David while he was in hiding, and with trauma, you can see it, etched in his face and tears streaming down his cheeks, Abiathar would tell David all that Saul and Doeg had done. Remorsefully, David would say to him, I knew it. I knew it <laughs> the very day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would go back and tell Saul. Therefore, I am guilty. I have occasioned the deaths of all the persons in your father's house, son, and I am so very sorry. He tells him in that 23rd verse, stay here with me. Don't be afraid, for you're safe with me now, for he that seeketh my life also seeks your life as well. I need you to see it. Though it is clearly not his fault. David is wrestling, is he not? With the trauma and the guilt that we all wrestle with. Whenever we see our own people lose their lives as a result of institutionalized state-sanctioned violence or self-hatred. Whenever we see families grieving and weeping over the loss of a loved one who died as a result of coming into contact with members of law enforcement. Whenever we see communities and families fractured because of another brother or sister whose life has been cut down to the senselessness of another brother and sister. Whenever we see 
unarmed citizens like Tyree Nichols, George Floyd, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Emmett Till, Freddie Gray, like these priests in Nob. Whenever we see innocent bystanders like Devon Harris, Sierra Jenkins, Shanquilla Robinson, like these innocent men, women, and children in Nob, whenever we see these senseless acts of violence, every time we see it, we are forced to relive 400 years of pain and trauma. That's somebody's child. That's somebody's baby. That's, that's somebody's parent. That's somebody's sibling. That's somebody's friend. And as a people, it makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel as if we're responsible, God knows it, for letting them leave the house that night. It makes us feel as if we're responsible for not having been there with them. It makes us feel as if we're responsible for living where we're living for sending them to school where we sent them, and even sometimes for giving birth to them. I would rather them have died in my womb than to have them snatched like this in the prime of their lives. That's what we wrestle with. And it's the same thing that David is wrestling with here in the text. He's traumatized by what Abiathar tells him has happened to his family and all of the innocent inhabitants of the city of Nob. And therefore, he feels guilty and responsible for what is taking place. Had I never gone there, this would have never happened. Had I fled somewhere else, these people might still be alive. That's what David is thinking. He's assigning blame to himself. When the real blame needs to be laid at the feet of Saul and Doeg. Saul is the one who engineered state-sanctioned institutional violence on that day. Not David. Doeg is the one with such internalized self-hatred for his own that he killed everyone in Nob on that day. Not David. They have no remorse for anything that they did. But yet, here is David wrestling with the guilt and the grief and the trauma and feeling responsible for something that was not his fault. My beloved, it's one of the glaring characteristics of systemic oppression to make the oppressed assume responsibility for the acts of the oppressor. To make the victim feel guilty for what the victimizer has done to them. However, King Saul and Doeg are never made to be accountable for the treachery that they cause. Just like right now, gun lobbyists are never held accountable for gun violence in this country. Just like right now, persons of power and who are in positions of power are rarely held accountable for their wrongdoings in society. Just like now when persons making less than $22,000 a year pay more in taxes than the former president. Just like now when a former president twice impeached on top of everything that he did while in office after losing the election can incite an insurrection on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol the likes of which has never been seen before and not only be held responsible for any of it but also be allowed to run again
Because had it been us, they'd be mopping the blood off the floor still this morning. What's your point? Oftentimes, those in power are rarely held accountable while those who have been made to suffer are the very ones made to feel responsible. David blames himself. Just like a grieving mother blames herself for letting her baby leave the house that night. He says, I'm sorry for what has befallen your family. I am guilty of all of your father's house. But then he says this, stay with me. Woo. Don't be afraid for you're safe with me. For he that seeketh my life is seeking yours as well. He says, he says, know this, my young brother. You might as well, you might as well roll with me now. Because the same person that wants me dead is the same person that wants you dead. Therefore, here it is, stay with me. Do you see it? When David invites Abiathar to stay with him, the actual word that he uses there is a, is a Hebrew context word. It, it's abide, which in the Old Testament of the Bible is considered as sovereign language. All throughout the Bible, when you see and you hear writers speaking of the eternal omniscience and the omnipresence of God, when you see persons of faith beseeching the spirit of God to be with them in their time of distress, they constantly use the same word. Because in the Hebrew vernacular, that word abide is sovereign language that really means persist with your presence. Don't just stay. Don't just sojourn or, or tarry with me. But Lord, I need you to persist. With your presence. I need a Bible reader to help right here. You know what the word says about abiding, do you not? Ah, First John 4, 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, that God is love, and whoever, here it is, abides in love. Abides in God, and God abides in him. John 17 and 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words, my bread abides in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Whenever believers in the faith ask God to abide with them. And whenever the Bible speaks to the importance of abiding in God. It means more than just staying or remaining. It means persisting with your presence. David is warning Abiathar that though they are both on the run from oppression, that he needs to understand that the same person who wants him dead is also the same person, the same system that wants him dead. But in the midst of it all, do not be afraid. Because if you're willing to abide with me, not only will you be secure, but you'll also learn that as you abide with me, <laughs> that I also have somebody who I'm abiding in as well. I know somebody who has abided with me 
since I was a child watching my father's flock. I've been in relationship with somebody who has abided with me when I have to protect the flock against the lions and the bears. I'm with somebody. I roll with somebody. My clique is bigger than Saul's clique. And sooner or later, I won't have to run anymore because the one that I abide with, Lord have mercy, his presence is going to show up and show out. Yes, Lord, I need somebody in here to be able to testify today that even in the midst of everything that you've been through, that you're able to testify that the reason that you're here right now, it's not because you got away. It's not because you ran so fast. But the reason that you're here right now is because somehow, some way, the presence of the Lord has been abiding with you. Oh yeah, I need somebody who can testify right here that you're a living witness. That in the midst of the enemy being on your trail, that the Shekinah glory of the Lord has still been with you. Is there anybody here who can testify trouble in your life? But the presence of the Lord has been right there. Trouble in your home, but the presence of the Lord has been right there. Trouble in your health, trouble in your family, trouble in your finances, trouble in your marriage. But in the midst of it all, the Lord's been right there. I dare you to ask somebody, how are you still here with all the hell that you've been going through? Just tell them the Lord has been with me. How are you here today, clothed and in your right mind? The Lord has been there with me. I wish I could tell you that I'm here today because of my education. I wish I could tell you that I'm here today because of my skill set. I wish I could tell you that I'm here today because of what church I go to, what organizations I belong to, or even what family I was born into. But it's only, I said it's only because the Lord's been with me. Yes, he abides with me. His presence, it abides with me. His power, it abides with me. His favor, it abides with me. His mercy, it abides with me. Is there anybody here who can wave their hands and say, I'm here today. I'm a living testimony that the only reason I made it thus far it's because the Lord has been with me. Elbow bump somebody. Tell them this is my testimony. He walks with me. Woo! He talks with me. He abides with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy, the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known yeah yeah ain't he all right say yeah say yeah 
say yeah. Come on, I want you to elbow bump three people. Tell them keep walking with them. Come on, you, you know who they are. Elbow bump and tell them keep walking with them. If you're online, put it in the chat. Keep walking with them. Keep abiding with them. Keep trusting in them. The Lord will. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Say yeah! Say yeah! Say yeah! Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in this place. What a word. 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 Can we celebrate this preacher this morning? My God. The Reverend Dr. Stephen G. Blunt is probably one of the best kept secrets in this country. He is a preacher par excellence. We've been blessed by this pastoral, prophetic word, priestly word. I don't know about anybody else, but I, that word puts a little bit more fight in me. Amen. 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 Deacons come, deacons come, deacons come, deacons come. Y'all take your seat, deacons come. What a word, what a word, what a word, what a word, what a word. Uh, to be an alpha, he can preach. <laughs> I want to at this time, I want to at this time to lead, lead us in a prayer because one of the main oppressions, the reason we got systemic oppression in the world is because of sin. Um, and that sin causes us to be mistreated by others. But I want you to know that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ not only saves you to bask in eternity, but it gives you power to fight against oppression in the here and now. And I want to, at this time, lead you in a prayer of new life, a prayer of freedom to deal with oppression, to fight the good fight. And um, if you pray this prayer, either for faith in Christ or to become a part of the church, we want you to make a decision right now. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed, and if you don't mind, and all of us will repeat this prayer because for those of us that have a relationship, it's a reminder. But if this prayer meets you, at this moment, make a decision. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. God, repeat out to me, God, I thank you for this word. I need you to help me fight oppression. Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ becomes my Lord and Savior right now. I believe he died for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, and to empower me 
to fight the good fight. I surrender to you right now as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Keep those heads bowed just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head and your heart, your mind and your spirit. You're sincere. you like, God, I want a change in my life. Salvation is yours right now. And all we do is ask that you acknowledge that if that prayer was for you, you prayed that prayer, you want the Lord to be the guide of your life, the God of your life, you're sincere about it, just hold up your hand right now. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. If you prayed that prayer, you're sincere about that prayer. Hold up your hand. If you have your hand up and you want to know what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you got your hand up, please come on down right now. Please come on down right now. We want to equip you with what you need as far as this decision is concerned. If you have your hand up, go ahead and come on down right now. Go ahead and come on down. Walk him all the way down. God bless you, my brother. We can do a whole lot better than that, St. Paul. We have one that is coming. Will there be another? 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 Thank you, Deacon Pendergrass. Stay right by him just, just for a moment. Here's my second call. Here's my second call. If you prayed this prayer, you're saying, listen, Pastor, I'm saved. I got a church. I mean, I, I'm saved. I know who Jesus Christ is a part of my sin, but I don't have a church home. I haven't been going to the same church consistently. I have been connected. Well, guess what? You can't do this walk. You can't live this life as a Lone Ranger Christian. That's why the church is established. I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're here, you don't have a church home. We would love for you to connect with us, to join with us as we live, connect, and inspire you. If that's you, would you hold up your hand right now? Don't have a church home. You're looking for a place to belong. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. 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 Amen. Amen. We've done this commanding, and yet there's room at the cross just for you. Come on, let's give God praise for my brother that has come. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have you to follow our sister over here. They're going to take you, get more information about you, understand your reason for coming. But listen, as you walk out, we're going to give you the biggest shout that you've ever had in your life. Amen. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bless you like you just hit a winning shot. Amen. So if you would, go. Come on, St. Paul. Let's celebrate. Come on. Let's give God praise. We're getting ready to get out of here. Let's give God praise. Can you help me to celebrate? Can you help me to celebrate? Uh, Deacon Reggie Ross and the Four Tops and the Stylistics. <laughs> Come on, let's celebrate our male chorus. Go ahead, let's stand. Thank you to our, our parking lot ministry, our media ministry, our usher ministry. 
our deacons ministry, the ministers that have helped today as far as worship is concerned, all of you. You look absolutely great in your Wakanda attire. Can we celebrate this preacher, Dr. Stephen G. Blunt? My God. Good news, my sister's Bible has been found. Let's give God praise for that. As my dear would say, hallelujah. All right, all right. We're getting ready to leave from this place. Um, remember, sisters and brothers, Saturday, 9 o'clock, for those that want to help with packing and preparing um, those packages for Liberia, meet here at 9 o'clock here in the main sanctuary, and our team will direct you to where you need to go. I also want to thank all of our digital ministers and social media influencers for the wonderful job that they do in making sure that we maintain connection digitally. Thank you all so very, very much for all that you do. I appreciate you. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. God, we thank you for the word that has been shared. Refresh, renew, reinvigorate your preacher, Dr. Blunt. Let this word saturate our lives and leave us empowered to fight the good fight to deal with oppression. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present us faultless before the presence with exceeding joy to the wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Let us sing the doxology, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Uh, Elson, open up that organ. Amen. on the lights. Praise him, all creatures here below.